Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. Welcome back, everybody, to Account Trends. And here to with you today, myself, Jason Stein, my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. David Bergstein. David, glad to have you here as always. Glad to be here as always. Looking forward to today's session. Yes, we have Ms. Kristen Keats on the line with Sherwood Tax. Kristen and I happen upon each other because uh, she is out doing the things that we have been talking about on this show, and I'm super excited to interview Kristen and, and get her insights on how she has actually implemented uh, advisory services, how she structures her client relationships around tax and all kinds of great stuff. So Kristen, welcome to the show. We really appreciate you being here today. Thank you. It's good to be here. And I will just say it's a journey. I don't think I've arrived at the des- destination, but I can talk about the journey. Absolutely. You know what? That's 100% fair and probably very uh, poignant to the conversation because, you know, what we always tell everybody is, you know, this is not an overnight flip the switch type of situation. There are lots of firms going at different paces, implementing these advisory services, trying to get their pricing models right. And it's a journey. And so I love that you said that. So t- tell us a little bit about your journey. Let's start there. Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I've been at this a pretty long time. I graduated college in the mid nineties, went to work for one of at the time, big six firms. And, uh, was at, I was at Cooper's for a little while. I went over to Arthur Anderson and, uh, prior to their demise, I actually got a job with one of our clients. So I did work in industry for a little while. Then I had my kids worked. Um, I had a little, personal tax practice that I just started when my kids were little and then moved into a smaller local firm uh, after having my own practice for about 10 years. Um, And then, yeah, so I was at that firm for about six years and I loved it. I mean, that's really where I started. That's where I got introduced to QuickBooks Online. That's where I really started working with small business clients in a, in a significant way. And so that's when I kind of realized that that was my, that was my jam. That was my, what I wanted to do. Um, Unfortunately, didn't work out at that firm. I, for a little bit, tried to go into a bigger regional firm um, with the hopes of helping them build out their kind of cloud accounting uh, processes and and uh, just their whole client accounting services line. Um, but I realized that a big regional firm was not the place for me. Uh, so in 2019, me and my partner, Martin, we started Breakaway Bookkeeping and Advising. Basically, we formed that to make it easy for uh, independent accountants uh, to just go and serve their clients. So we provide a host of management services. About a year after that, I acquired an existing tax firm, Sherwood Tax and Accounting. And uh, and we also have a staffing agency out of Guadalajara, Mexico, that we provide support staff for accounting firms. So we've been busy the last few years. So you're an all-in-one shop. You, you do the work and then you're doing the outsourcing. I looked at your website. I thought it was pretty interesting. You are a CPA. You didn't mention that anywhere. 
in your introduction, but that's the model I'm seeing for small and mid-sized CPAs, because if we don't do the attest function, you're pushing the advisory services and you're welcoming everybody and you're not restricted. Is yeah. that why you chose that model? You got it. Yeah. And plus I just came up, I came up as a tax person, so I didn't have the advisory. I mean, when I was at the local firm before, we did do some uh, tests as far as compilations and reviews, but just given the hurdles, I'm like, why bother with it? I just want to focus on tax and advisory. So yeah, we don't do any attest, attest functions here. And I think that's the way a lot more firms are going to go, especially since private equity is coming into the big firms and they see where you are going. So you you decided advisory is the way to go and the tax return and the bookkeeping of the deliverables. Yep. Yep. You got it. Because I just want to focus where our expertise is. All right. So, Kristen, uh, you know, you and David kind of talking a little bit about your value pricing and your subscription models. Let's dig into that a little bit. Can you tell us about, like, take us on your journey of implementing, you know, your value pricing model and your subscription-based services, all the way from, like, when you first started thinking about it and decided, you know, you wanted to do it and how you were going to take the leap because people are, you know, a lot of people are afraid even to, you know, just jump into that and you've you've done it, right? So help those folks, you know, learn from your journey. And then then I also want to hear, too, about, like, how do you go about having a conversation with clients about it and getting them on board? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I have been on the journey for a, a pretty long time. Um, I, gosh, I will say probably when I got into the cloud accounting space. So I want to say maybe like 2016 ish is when I started um, kind of thinking in this way. I actually saw a webinar with Mark Wickersham. And I had seen Ron Baker speak. So I kind of, I had, I was big believers in what they were saying. And I was a member of Mark Wickersham's group for a couple of years. Um, <clears throat> so that's when I realized it's it's not really a, um, you know, it's it's not like you just flip a switch and you decide, okay, I'm here, I've done it. Uh, it really is a journey and it's it's really a, uh, a mental journey. And it's, it's three steps forward and two steps back sometimes because you make a lot of mistakes when you're moving from an hourly billing model to, a, you know, to a subscription or to a value price model. And um, I will say, I mean, it it actually caused a a fair bit of friction in the firm that I was at before because they were a very traditional firm. You know, they are very unwilling to mess with their model that's making them a whole bunch of money and that has always worked. But what I would say, and I actually, this is how you you asked about how I communicate about it with clients. This is actually how I I talk to clients about it. As I say, you know, I'm, what I'm selling is a relationship with my clients. I want I want them to have an open door policy because the problem is if you don't have an ongoing relationship with them throughout the year, things happen and we don't learn about it until it's too late. We learn about it when we're filing a tax return or we don't even know about things that happen when we go and file a tax return. And so then, or we learn about it later, we have to do amends. And anyway, only bad things happen when we aren't able to communicate with our clients. And one of the things that's a barrier to our clients communicating with us is if they're going to get a bill every time they call us for a 30-minute question question or to let us know what's going on in their business or if we don't have regular touch points set up with them throughout the year. And so my argument is it gives us a better, more sticky relationship with our clients. It creates loyalty with them and it removes the friction of like, because here's the thing, 
for people that are still clinging to the hourly billing model, you are also then clinging to that conversation that happens of why did this take so long? If you're still having those realization and utilization conversations, it's asking a question that I don't want to answer because if I'm, it's at war, I think, with our principles as CPAs for due diligence, for doing the right thing. If I'm going to do the right thing and take the time that it requires to go through this, I don't want you know to get busted my chops busted later for taking too long on a project. So I'm like, I just want to remove that whole conversation. And yeah, I'm going to get it wrong sometimes, but all I can do is the best I can do is and learn from it and just try to build on it from there. You sound like you got it right down to the process, right down. What do you do with existing clients? I know you're talking about how to get them on subscription. When you go back to these existing clients, it's one thing, a new client's easier but what do you tell the old client when uh, you say, hey, it's no longer about the tax return or the financial statement? You know, I, I'm making it about them. And that's the thing is like, I'm not done yet. Like I said, I only I only purchased this practice about a year and a half ago. And some of those clients are used to just having like maybe a once or twice a year touch point, And they're used to just getting a big bill for their tax return. And so I'm going to be in the next few months having this conversation with every client because we're moving the entire client base to this model. And so, but the interesting thing is when I am having this conversation, I make it about them. Because when I do get a new client, the number one complaint I hear about their prior CPA is that I never talked to them. I, I never got I never got to ask them questions. They never talked to me about anything. And so I I think for them, it's a benefit to them. And I say, you know what? I know that, and it's not going to work for everybody, right? There's some people who, and they can be better served elsewhere if they just want that transaction once a year, we're not going to be the place for them. But for those clients that I'm having the conversations and I'm saying, hey, here's what I want to have with you. They're very excited about it. They're like, yes, that's what I need because I talk about wanting to do planning with them. I talk about wanting to be able to be available to them when they have questions that come out up throughout the year. And it's been received very, very well. And I actually think when I, when I pitch it to them as... I am, you know, I'm pricing this as a relationship with you. Our your tax return is is a byproduct of our relationship that will come out of, you know, the relationship that we have throughout the year. I like that. I'm going to ask a question Jason probably wants to ask. If the tax return is a byproduct, when you go to meet him now, how do you? What are you position about the advisory tax advisory? What do you tell them you're going to do for them uh, during the year? You know, I don't, I never like say, oh, I'm going to make save you a whole bunch of money. You know, if we do planning, I probably will, you know, because there's just more likely that things will come up if we're having conversations about that. But honestly, um, what one of the things that I'm, that I'm rolling out there for them is because I feel like a lot of the conversations and maybe negative interactions with my clients come because they have anxiety because they don't know what to expect. So what I'm creating with them is what we're calling the tax roadmap. And what that does is it gives them, once I do the planning with them, I'm giving them deadlines throughout the year, deadlines and quotes, but like really a timeline of what they can expect. So January 15th, that's when your fourth quarter ES is due for the prior year. This is when you're going to start getting your tax documents together. You know, April 15th, we're doing an extension for you where, you know, and so on throughout the year so that they know what to expect. And I will even put dollar amounts. If we've done planning for them and I say, okay, this is what you should expect to pay with your return. This is going to be your first quarter of the next year's taxes. Then they can kind of calm down. Or if we say, oh, we're now we're projecting a refund. We're going to apply that or whatever the planning might be. We can put that all out there for them. And I, 
I'm hoping that it will quell some of that anxiety that people have about deadlines, you know, because, you know, I like to say April 15th is a fake deadline because it's a, it's a, it's the initial filing deadline, which we can get extended. And for a lot of people, it benefits them for us to extend that deadline. You know, if they have retirement contributions that they want to make, or if they feel like, you know, we may need to extend that statute of limitations, something like that, like it benefits the individual taxpayer in a lot of ways to extend that tax return. Well, what I love about your your story there, Krista, too, and everything that you just said is you're addressing the anxiety of the client because I, I don't know that we talk about that enough. Um, so many clients come to CPAs because why? Because they're in trouble, right? They, they know or they know they have to do something and it's a necessary evil. Uh, and so you're you're taking that, but but that's not what they really want. And that's what I hear time and time again is... Yeah, I need to get I need to make sure I don't go to jail, right? I need to make sure that I do what I'm supposed to do. But but I want more than that. Um because I know that you you've got to be better than me as a client, right? I'm speaking from a client's with you've got to be better than me at doing this stuff. And I know there's probably strategies that I should be taking advantage of, but I don't know what they are. I don't know if they apply to me, and I'm not going to go spend hours researching what that what that would be because I make widgets or I sell lawn garden services or right. I, you know, I'm not a tax person. Right. I mean, especially for those small business owners. And that's what I always tell them, you know, it's like, I, I have a client that's a plumber and I'm like, you know what, I guess I could figure out how to fix my own toilet or it's all, but I'm not going to, why would I do that? You know, like this is how the world works best. In my opinion, you install my toilet when I need it. And I take care of your tax return and I'll let you know when to make that S corp election. And I'll let you know about retirement plans that are available. You know, we just live in each of our own worlds and that's how it works best. I honestly think a lot of bad things can happen when people try to do it themselves. I 100% agree. And I can speak from personal experience. Right. The, I know. The, the it's it's always regret when I try to right, do a project right? by myself. <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, do you ask the same question I ask all my clients, which is always to me the easiest transition to get them to go to advisory services? As I sit down with them, I say, What do you want to accomplish with your business and in life? And leave it open ended enough that they can talk about growing the business, succession planning, bringing their kids, gaining wealth which allows us to sell all those additional advisory services around tax that relate to other subjects. So uh, I'm assuming oh, yeah. you asked the same question. Absolutely, 100%. And so that's also, so I, I mentioned our other our kind of sister company, Breakaway. And so that's one of our one of our great Breakaway advisors, Michelle Lopez. She's, that's the conversation she always has initially too, because it's not always about profit, right? It's not always about just maximizing profit. We may have other things that we want. Maybe it's just more time with your family. Maybe there's other metrics that we need to consider other than just your bottom line. So there's no way that you can do these wonderful KPIs dashboards that we can create with all these amazing tools if we don't even know what the client's goalpost is, you know. I have another question, sort of coming back to the pricing conversation. Do you have, do your clients fight with you over the bill? You know, I think that they do. I, the only time I've had them fight with me over the bill is when I give them a big chunk of a, of a bill like that was due with a tax return. Because here's the thing, by the time when I'm in the value pricing or the subscription model, I'm having a whole conversation with them before I send that proposal out to them. So we've already agreed before that proposal goes out to them about what the services that we're going to be doing and what that 
price range is going to be. So then if they come back to me and they're saying that that's going to be too high, I have had that. That's really expensive. That's more than what I thought. Then I never just bring down the price without just taking services away because you have to get so clear on what your own value is for those services that you provide. You never want to signal to the client that you think that you're not worth what you initially like. That's not negotiable. Like, okay, then you know what? Instead of every meeting every month, how about we meet once a quarter? And then that's what this will go to. You know, you're scaling back your services. Yes, but what you're talking about is you're talking about negotiating the agreement, the, the upfront, right? Yes. And so I, I I asked that question knowing full and well what, what your answer was going to be, right? <laughs> Which is your compliance clients don't like the bill right. because while they know they need you to yep. file their returns, they don't value that work. But when you have a conversation with them upfront of here's what I'm going to do and you get them excited about yeah. working with you, yeah. you would probably, I'm at, I'm taking a wild guess here, but if that same client came to you and said, I need a tax return done and you quote them, you know, $500, whatever. But then you have a different conversation with them. That same client, you're having a conversation about, here's what I'm going to do year round. And that quote's probably what? Three, four times that yes. amount, right? And they're glad to sign up for a hundred percent. In fact, those are definitely conversations I've had. Like I can name, I can, I can count just this year that there's been several conversations that I've had that went exactly like that. Like, Hey, I want to talk about my relationship with Sherwood tax. And I'm like, okay. And honestly, sometimes there's like an airing of grievances, you know, about like things took too long and you guys didn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then when I give, give them the vision of like, well, what if our relationship looked like this, then exactly what you're saying. It's like, Oh, we, that's a possibility. It's like, yeah. Because yeah, when it's transactional, I mean, honestly, I feel like a lot of the dissatisfaction, putting it mildly for CPAs in our industry comes from our job is thankless. Our clients don't even know if the product that we give them is good or not. They have no idea, you know? And so and we're getting compared with, with people who might not be giving as good of a product, but if they're cheaper or faster then they, you know, kind of get more, uh, they kind of get better Yelp reviews or something, you know, than, than those of us that take our time, take a little longer and charge more because we have more expertise. So yeah, the only way that our clients are going to appreciate us is if they're able to connect with us on a more personal and relevant for them level. You ready, you ready to switch accountants, Jason, and call Kristen in? Because she's going <laughs> to give you a price. You're going to pay monthly. And uh, by the end of the year, all your goals will be accomplished. That's right. Yeah. Well, maybe not all of them, but we will agree on the ones that we'll be uh, tackling together, right? That's right. Yeah. What percent of your clients are uh, businesses versus individual with the subscription pricing? Are we taking everybody to it? We're taking everybody to it. Um, we have already acknowledged that we're going to lose in numbers. We're going to lose a lot of indiv individual clients and we're fine with that. Um, I mean, you know, it's interesting what's happened over the last three years just uh, in the kind of legislative environment that we're in, I'm finding that every tax return is taking two to three times longer than it ever did before. So we used to, you know, I think four or five years ago, Sherwood Tax, you know, we could serve the community and it kind of take all these tiny 1040s for a couple hundred bucks a piece. 
we're not, we just cannot do that anymore. Um, and unfortunately we've only learned that because we've been overburdened these last couple of years trying to do it all for everybody. So we're just going to bite the bullet this year and say, okay, probably at least a third to a half of our 1040 clients are just going to go away. So, so if they're not attached to a business, if they're not interested in kind of this subscription and planning model, we're, you know, giving them resources to, to go elsewhere. I think I think that's the right way to go. You're building like a niche in the business arena, uh, and you're focusing. That's that's the key. Yeah. And speaking, and by the way, Kristen, that, that's on point with what others have have told us as well, and and other people that I talk to in the profession is some some firms are are just getting to a point where they're they're either intentionally letting go of you know those those individual compliant compliance focused clients that don't want or need anything beyond that um or they're they're just you know shifting and they just they fall you know they fall to the wayside kind of thing right um so speaking of niches do, do you focus on any particular uh niches I don't. Uh, I like to say I've been around long enough that I think I've just touched almost everything. So uh, I haven't gotten that way. Although I think that had I do had it, if I had it to do over again, I probably would. I don't know what my niche would be, but uh, I just know that to be able to develop like an industry focus and expertise, I think um, is definitely the way to go. Um, you know, we were talking about cannabis earlier. I mean, so that's a, that's the interesting flip side to me. So cannabis is legal here recreationally in Oregon. So there is, you know, there's definitely a market for that niche. However, it requires such a level of expertise and specialization that I I don't have, I actually turn those clients away because I'm like, I don't feel like I can provide you the service that you need. Um, so I turn those clients away for that reason. Uh, that's a perfect example. And David, your favorite, your favorite subject came. <laughs> um, but you know, I think it's a great anchor point to when you'd kind of talk about nation because people can, people can understand and wrap their heads around. Like, even if you don't have like I'm in the restaurant, right? And right. this is my focus, which by the way, I don't typically recommend to people you just pick one niche. What it's about is understanding who are the clients that are in and who are the clients that are out, right? And being very intentional about that. And right. so so while general, you know, niche firms do are are positioned better versus generalist firms, I wouldn't call your firm a generalist firm. And not that there's anything wrong with being a generalist firm. It's just firms that that have that more intentional, here's my target client, you know, as with any business, are positioned to do better. You're right. You're right. I, you're right. I don't have an industry niche, but I definitely have. You know, we've worked a lot on what our ideal client profile looks like. We we work a lot on, I mean, that's been our strategy for the last year is being exactly what you're saying, very intentional about how we want the future of the practice to look. You may be going after high net worth individuals. Maybe it's a generalist, but it's also a niche across the board. But it's never too late to uh, develop an expertise in a certain area. As you acquire more clients, let them know uh, that, hey, you, you are starting to uh, focus on this particular area. Do they know anybody else going to give you recommendations? Yeah. yeah. And, and I love what you said, you know, kind of tying back to that intentionality. That's really the theme of of you know, our whole profession these days, right? It's moving away from this reactional relationship 
and, and moving towards a proactive, intentional relationship that's going to just serve everybody involved way yep. better. That's the goal. Absolutely. So, what a perfect place to wrap things up, Kristen. Wonderful insights. Congratulations on you know your success as you've you've implemented these um, concepts. Uh, love love hearing you know from from folks like yourself that that have done this. And I hope that uh, we provided some some helpful insights to our listeners who are either in the thick of doing this themselves or just still thinking about it, but maybe haven't quite made the leap yet. Um, really appreciate you being here and sharing sharing your journey with us, Kristen. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was fun. Hey, can I ask one last question, Jason? Of course. It goes something along your lines, but uh, I noticed that uh, you said something up front. You help other people learn how to do this through uh, your firm. Do you set up individual CPAs that want to learn how to do this? So with um, with Breakaway Bookkeeping and Advising, what we do is we provide um, support services for uh uh, accountants and advisors that just want to go out and be contractual, like controllers, CFOs, and bookkeepers. And so, yeah, we do co pricing coaching and we, because uh, they do all their own pricing. So yeah, we absolutely coach all of our advisors on the pricing and setting up proposals and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question, David. I, I didn't even realize that was something that, that <laughs> you did, Kristen. I apologize. Um, so if people want to connect with you to learn more about that, where would you, uh, where would you suggest they... Best so I'm people. on LinkedIn, uh, just under Kristen Keats. And then I'm on Twitter at Kristen Keats CPA. I'm on tax Twitter all the time. So I welcome anybody to connect with me in either of those places. All right. There you have it, folks. You can get in touch with Kristen and get your, get your, uh, get some coaching from, from somebody who's already done the stuff that you're looking to do. All right. Thanks for sharing, Kristen. Great Thank having you. you on the show today. Thank you for being here. And as always, Great to have you on the show as well, David. Looking forward to our next guest. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining. Until next time. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you like what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2022.